0: And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you as we do week by week to join us here in this place, May my words be your words and all of our thoughts, your thoughts, as we trust that you are here in our midst. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please sit. So this is week three of our very short uh, Advent sermon series through Isaiah. And if you were here last week, um, you know that I was inspired and blessed in my sermon preparation last week by a Tim Keller sermon that I listened to uh, that I decided to go right back to the well uh, this week. And wouldn't you know it, Tim Keller has a whole series of sermons on Isaiah. And the one I listened to this week was a blessing too. Is there anything that Tim Keller can't do? (laughs) Well, yes, actually, uh, Tim Keller couldn't or at least didn't. Use a small-time independent Australian movie called The Castle as an illustration for his sermon on Isaiah 35, because he's probably never even heard of it. But I have. This is what sets Grace Anglican Church apart. This is this is the Grace Anglican guarantee. Sure, Tim Keller has 18 books and a 30-year ministry that has encouraged millions of people. I've seen The Castle. In fact, it's one of my all time favorite films that no one has ever heard of. In fact, it's a film that Aya and I watch regularly and one that we quote to each other even more often. This tiny, no budget Australian film, The Castle. This movie's about a family, an Australian family, who resists when the government tries to acquire their home by imminent domain, to facilitate the expansion of an airport. The house is right at the end of one of the runways, so there's constant and very close airplane noise. There's high-tension electrical wires crisscrossing the air directly above their house, and the whole place is kind of a wreck. It's almost completely worthless. And so no one can really believe it when the family fights back against the government buying their home. They insist it's not for sale at any price, a claim that they're willing to take all the way to the Supreme Court, or to be more accurate, all the way to the High Court of Australia. And one of the through lines of the movie and the source of its title is the patriarch of this family's continued assertion that it's not just a house they're talking about. It's their home. And a man's home, he says, is his castle. And the, the funny juxtaposition of the movie, a family rabidly defending a house that is objectively a piece of valueless junk in a terrible location, came to mind when I read this morning's reading from Isaiah. Because what's important in our reading and for the family at the center of the castle, and ultimately for us, what's important is home. So this morning, our reading comes from Isaiah 35. But as you probably noticed, many of the themes in our reading are the same that we've seen in our last couple of readings from Isaiah, even though we've been bouncing around the book. Week 1, we read from chapters 1 and 2. We read from chapter 11 last week, and this week we're reading from chapter 35. And yet the themes are very similar. The coming Messiah, the mess that the world is in now, and the beautiful place he's going to make it when he comes. Week one was having swords beaten into plowshares and Spears into pruning hooks. Week two, remember, we had the wolf living with the lamb, the leopard lying down with the kid, and the human child playing innocently with poisonous snakes. And this week, we have even more of this renewed natural order imagery. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Waters shall break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. Burning sand shall become a pool, thirsty ground, springs of water. And again, when and how will all of this come to pass? Well, the answer is the same. God himself will come to earth. We see it in verses 3 and 4. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance and terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Now, we're going to talk about what Isaiah means with all that vengeance and terrible recompense stuff. At the end of the sermon, I promise. But it is, once again, God's arrival on the scene that brings streams Flowing out of the desert. God's presence that renews the natural order. That in fact brings life out of death. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. But Isaiah has added a new theme. For us this week in this chapter, and it comes to the foreground when he's talking about who it is that will get to enjoy this redeemed land. This is in verses 8 to 10 of Isaiah 35. He says, a highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And now here's the part that I want to focus on this week. The part that Keller really brought to my attention. Notice which way the redeemed people who are walking on this holy way are traveling. Which way are they going? Here's what Isaiah says. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The ransomed of the Lord, those that the Lord has rescued, will return. The people God has saved will come home. Now, Isaiah is talking about the physical return of the people of Israel from their exile. But he's also prophesying on a grander scale. See, the story of Israel is a smaller version of the story of all of Holy Scripture and a smaller version of the story of all of human life, the entire human race. Remember, in Genesis, at the beginning, in Eden, we were at home. But then we lost it, and we lost it because we turned away from God. The penalty for sin was expulsion from the garden. That's how the human story begins. And then in Revelation, when the human story is ending all the way at the other end of the line, we see the Lord recreating the garden and welcoming us back home. But now, we live between. Now, we are here. Between now and then, every human being is in exile. Spiritually, we are homeless. Now, you know the value of home. Even if you don't live next to an Australian airport, you know what home Means How important it is. Your home is your castle. Home is a place of rest, of peace. I went to my uncle's home for Thanksgiving a few weeks ago, and his home is loving and warm and welcoming. But I was so ready at the end of the holiday to be back in my home. His home, as lovely as it is, is not my home. In my home, everything feels right. In my home, I am at peace. This is what home means. And yet in this world, we are homeless. We were not designed for this place. We were built for Eden, for communion with Almighty God. here is not there. And to illustrate this, just to use examples from this one short reading we have from Isaiah this morning. Here, there are deserts and wilderness, weak hands, feeble knees, fearful hearts. There is blindness, deafness, lameness, speechlessness, thirsty ground and jackal haunts. This is not as it should be. C.S. Lewis famously said that if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And we were. And what is this world for which we were made? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 90 that God himself is our Home. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. You, God, have been our dwelling place. We were made to be in God. God is our home. But, and this is the first but of the sermon, but we Sin, but we are sinners. The curse of Eden is still with us. We are idol makers. We turn things that are not God into the gods of our lives. To use Isaiah's home imagery, idolatry, sin, is turning something that's not really our home into our home. This can include your career, your family, your political cause, your physical beauty, anything that you convince yourself can give you the peace of being home. But you were not created for those things. They cannot and will not ever give you lasting peace. They are not home. And as much as you try to make them home, as long as you try to make them home, you will never be satisfied. This is the curse of sin, trying desperately to make a home out of something that can never be home. In those places, there is no rest. There can be no peace. There is only wandering. And so as sinners, we are in exile. We are not home. But And this is the second but of the sermon. But Isaiah does have good news for the exiled. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. The Messiah will come and bring us home. And this is where finally you might be thinking uh, we can start talking about Advent and the preparation for Christmas. Because if we are in exile, expelled from Eden because of sin and separated from a holy God who is our real home. If we are in exile and Jesus is coming to bring us home, then it makes all the sense in the world that his story should start and end in homelessness. Joseph also went up from Galilee. There was no place for them in the inn. There was no place for him. He was homeless. This was a theme of Jesus' life. Later in Luke, in the midst of his ministry, Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. There was no place for him. He was homeless. And of course, his final homelessness was experienced on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember Psalm 90. The Lord is our dwelling place. God is our home. But not for Jesus. Not on that day. The penalty for sin is expulsion. And your Savior experienced that expulsion in your place. Jesus was homeless. So that you don't have to be. Remember that strange and frightening way. That Isaiah talks about the coming of the Lord. This is in verses 3 and 4 of our reading. Here is your God, he says. He will come with vengeance. With terrible recompense. He will come and save you. So, he's coming with vengeance. And terrible recompense. And he's coming to save. How does that work? Listen. He will come with vengeance against sin, with terrible recompense against iniquity. But that vengeance and terrible recompense will be exhausted at the cross. It will make God himself, Jesus Christ, homeless and at the same time, because of Christ's homelessness you will be welcomed home because of him you are saved on account of Jesus God is your dwelling place for all generations in him you are home now and forever amen